It was many and many a year ago, in the kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee. And this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. She was a child and I was a child in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud by night, chilling my Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels not half so happy in heaven went envying her and me. Yes, this is the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of a cloud chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of my beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And the stars never rise, but I see the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tide I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride in her sepulcher here by the sea in her tomb by the side of the sounding sea. These words, to many of us, may sound familiar. This poem is titled Annabel Lee, and was one of many that was introduced to me at a very young age in middle school. Can you guess who is the subject of our episode today? Words filled with pain, melancholy, Subjects of murder and despair were commonplace amongst Edgar Allan Poe's works, deeming him the father of Gothic literature. In a couple days, January 19th to be exact, it will be Edgar Allan Poe's 215th birthday. This week, we celebrate the man who helped define American literature. Let's dive into some of his most haunting works, check in with his ghost, and say happy birthday, Edgar Allan Poe. So, let's talk about that. Welcome to Audibly Haunted. I'm your host, Ani Kachadorian. Edgar Allan Poe may not have invented Gothic literature. However, his approach fine-tuned it, so much so that when you look up the definition of Gothic literature, a picture of his face comes up. His stories and poems came at a time when America's identity and literature were still being discovered. 
you had Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow, published in 1820, which was deemed America's first ghost story. Poe's work began publishing in 1827, a short 25 years after Irving's Headless Horseman, Edgar Allan Poe releases his most infamous work, The Raven, and three years later, he releases The Telltale Heart. His words hopped off the page like a dance that forced you to seek beyond the words to understand the meaning of the story. One poem of his in particular stands as one of my favorites, depicting the struggles of depression on the mind. First published in 1839 in Nathan Brooks' American Museum magazine was the poem The Haunted Palace. The poem is a 48-line poem, and it goes something like this. In the greenest of our valleys, by good angels tenanted, once a fair and stately palace, radiant palace, reared its head. In the monarch thought's dominion, it stood there, never seraph spread opinion over fabric half so fair. Banners yellow, glorious, golden, on its roof did float and flow. This, all this, was in the olden time long ago. And every gentle air that dallied in that sweet day, along the ramparts plumed and pallid, a winged odor went away. Wanderers in that happy valley through two luminous windows saw spirits moving musically to a lute's well-tuned law. Around about a throne were sitting Proferogene in his state glory well-befitting. The ruler of the realm was seen. And all with pearl and ruby glowing was the fair palace door, through which came flowing, 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 and sparkling evermore, a troop of echoes whose sweet duty was but to sing, in voices of surpassing beauty, the wit and wisdom of the king. But evil lives in robes of sorrow, assailed the monarch's high estate. Ah, let us mourn, for never morrow shall dawn upon him desolate, and round about his home the glory that blushed, bloomed, is but a dim-remembered story of the old time entombed. And travelers now within that valley, through the red-litten window see vast forms that move fantastically to a discordant melody while like a ghastly rapid river through the pale door, a hideous throng rush out forever and laugh, but smile no more. At first glance, across the surface, one can assume this poem is about a fallen palace and a kingdom, nothing more. You can just about picture the disarray within the castle walls. But is this poem really about a castle? You see, Poe was a master at painting a darkness not exactly visible to the naked eye. 
Gothic literature was known for the use of supernatural elements, over-the-top descriptions of settings, and a deep dive into the melancholy mind. So, what's this poem really about? Well, it's about the mind. However, the mind after the damage done by depression. The poem describes a palace that was once a beautiful place, but has now fallen to ruin. Poe uses great language to push limits, to make the mundane setting anything but mundane, thus turning a haunted and plagued mind into a once beautiful kingdom. The land is made pure with the mention of angels that tenanted, or rather the once pure thoughts. This is your first mention of the supernatural, if you will. He then states that spirits are seen dancing. Are these ethereal beings possibly phantoms around him? Or are they ones that live in his head? He is describing the beauty within the mind when it was pure and inhabited by angels. What begins to give away the poem that it may be about the human mind is the mention of two luminous windows. It is the author's eyes. He is the king in this palace, and the eyes took in all of the beauty until sorrow and evil thoughts crept in and turned this one's happy place into the darkness the narrator feels and sees now. A discordant melody suggests that the narrator is descending into madness. This poem is haunting, as anyone who has experienced depression knows the feeling of feeling as if your mind and eyes have even lost the ability to see colors. The spirits within our minds are shadows that do not bring joy, but instead leave sorrow in their wake. With every word, you can picture the mind falling into a state where you may laugh, but you smile no more. One poem that haunted me as a kid that to this day gives me chills as I read it is titled The Raven. Now, many of us are familiar with this one for sure, as it was taught in many a classrooms, and even across different forms of pop culture, like The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, for example, and many others, they've referenced this particular poem. I believe this piece of literature truly will continue to live on forevermore. Now, this poem is a bit long, so let me give you the play-by-play -play for those who are not familiar with the poem. After the recent death of the nameless narrator's love, Lenore, he sits in his chamber, lamenting. It is a cold and dreary December night, and the narrator hopes reading will free his mind over his mourning. As he reads, he begins to fall asleep, but just as he drifts off, a knock comes to his chamber door. He becomes uneasy. He tries to reassure himself that it must be just a visitor, and yells out to apologize for the delay in answering the door. However, 
when he pulls open the door, there's nobody there. In his shock, he whispers to the empty hallway, Lenore. Suddenly, the knock happens again, but this time to the window across the room. He begins to reassure himself again that it's just the wind, but he remains uneasy. He opens up the window, and a raven flies in, and lands upon the goddess Athena bust above the door. The sight of the bird calms the narrator, and he eases up, jokingly asking the bird its name. Nevermore, the bird cries back to him. The narrator is stunned and speechless. He pulls his chair closer and sits staring at the raven. He thinks out loud how his Lenore will never live again. He tells himself to forget her. And the raven, almost understanding him, answers his words with nevermore. The narrator becomes angry and yells for the raven to leave him alone, and it replies back, nevermore. He calls it evil, and he asks if he will ever find relief. He asks whether he will hold his Lenore when he reaches heaven. Again and again, the raven responds, nevermore. The poem ends with the raven still above the door, casting shadows on the man and his soul. This poem, I believe, brings about the thoughts that come to all of our minds during the times of great loss and grief. The narrator is overcome with the thought of just how far he truly is from his dearest Lenore. He is cut off from her both physically and spiritually. Following the themes of Gothic literature, Poe's narrator becomes lost in his grief, seeming never to find the light of day. He uses the bird's single word as an end-all to wallow in his grief, torturing himself. This poem always gives me chills as he opens the door to an empty hallway. The human body triggers when it senses something off in the environment, both physically and spiritually. Picture it. Standing in your room, alone, when you hear a knock in the night to come to find that no one is on the other side of the door? This will send chills up and down your body, causing an uneasy feeling in the pit of your stomach. This is what makes the poem so haunting and eerie. On top of the haunting feeling, this poem gives us a glimpse into the desperate mind of a mourning soul. When he opens the door to no one on the other side, he grasps at the hope that the spirit of his Lenore had come to him. It is something we all look for when a loved one leaves us. We hope that the specific song on the radio, that hummingbird or that butterfly, or that sunset is the person we long for showing us that they're there. But in our grief, let us hope none of us are faced to hear the haunting cries of the raven. Edgar Allan Poe's literary career was also filled with stories 
with mystery. And, in pure Poe fashion, so was his death. His death to this day still remains a mystery. You see, one day, Poe went missing for five days straight. Nobody knew where he was or what had happened to him. And suddenly, on October 3rd, 1849, Poe was found tattered and stumbling into a Baltimore tavern, looking disheveled and lost. He was taken to Washington College Hospital. And a few short days later, on October 7th, Edgar Allan Poe passed away at the age of 40. In those days, no one came to visit him. No one came to ask what had happened to him. So, he never gave any information on what actually did happen to him. There was no autopsy done, and the cause of death was listed vaguely as congestion of the brain, and was quickly buried two days later. Many theories remain on exactly what killed the father of Gothic literature. The suspected theories include suicide, murder, cholera, rabies, syphilis, influenza, or a brain tumor. Unless his ghost gives us a hint, we'll never really know what killed the author. Speaking of Edgar Allan Poe's ghost, let's chat a bit about the places he is suspected of haunting. The first location he is suspected to dwell in is the old Baltimore home he stayed in with his aunt and first cousin Virginia, who later became his bride. This home is now a museum filled with artifacts that belong to Poe all on display. Visitors to the museum claim to feel taps on their shoulders and hear disembodied voices muttering in empty rooms. They state also that windows and doors will slam shut all on their own. To top it off, visitors have claimed to even see his ghost moving from room to room within the old home turned museum. The second spot he is suspected to haunt is the author's favorite watering hole, the horse you came in on saloon. Edgar Allan Poe was a frequent customer, sitting at the bar always ordering his drink of choice, a cognac. It is also the last place he is suspected to have visited before his death. Locals and visitors have claimed to even see a ghostly figure that matches Poe's description walking on the street in front of the saloon. And when you are in the bar, it's best to hold your tongue and don't you dare question his spirit being present. Edgar Allan Poe's spirit is known to pull the chairs from under those who state they do not believe the author is haunting the bar. At a point, the saloon stops selling Poe's favorite spirit, Cognac, at the bar. It seems this angered his ghost, and Edgar Allan Poe's spirit 
has reportedly pushed glasses off the shelves and off the bar top in retaliation for no longer selling his favorite drink. We cannot deny Edgar Allan Poe was a pivotal writer for America's literary identity. He helped shape the Gothic literature and gave us works that will be read and honored for years to come. Here, in 2024, we celebrate the author's 215th birthday. His poems and short stories are haunting and chilling, and they offer a glimpse into a mind so dark, yet so full of color, though he may not have felt that way. So I leave you all with this line from his poem, A Dream Within a Dream. All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Meaning you and I may be living a life that feels somewhat like a dream. But this dream is what keeps our hopes alive forevermore. This has been Audibly Haunted, and I'm your host, Ani Kachadorian. You can find Audibly Haunted wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, you name it. Give it a listen, drop a rating, a review, and share with all your friends. And remember, you can always find Audibly Haunted on Instagram at Audibly Haunted. And if you have a ghost story that you would like to share, I would love to hear it. You can always reach out to me at audiblyhaunted at gmail.com or send me a message on Instagram. I would love to hear from all of you. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next week.